We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. I'm Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, our national college football writer at SportingNews.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi. And keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. If you enjoy this podcast, please give us a five-star rating and submit a brief review. That would uh, be very helpful for us. All right, week 11 is in the books, and basically we have nothing to talk about, right, Bill? Yeah, well, it's coming down the stretch, and it's we're going to talk about it here in a second. It's hiring and firing season is a little bit later than usual. Um, you know, we normally have a handful before now, but as of the last 24 hours, we've had three coaches come and go, so it, it's coming. That's that part of the year. Yeah, no question. we got tons of news on the field, tons of news off the field. Dating back to last Friday with Jim Harbaugh and everything, we'll touch on all of that. Uh, but let's start with a Trochi trivia. Jimbo Fisher has been fired from Texas A&M. I was going through his record, so I wasn't sure how to phrase this question for you, but I'll, I'll, I know you can give an educated guess. So if I told you that at the time of the game, Jim F- Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M played 15 top 10 teams, in his time at Texas A&M, what was his record in those 15 games? So you can get, give me a guess by the end of the year. I mean, by the end of the show, uh, as what Jimbo Fisher's record was against top 10 teams at Texas A&M. So let's start there. Texas A&M fires Jimbo Fisher. He uh, finished his tenure there with 45 wins. He got paid about a million dollars a win. Uh, and then he's going to collect seventy-seven more million dollars to not coach. So it's good to be Jimbo Fisher if uh, your goal is to collect millions and millions and millions of dollars. Last three seasons: nineteen and fifteen, ten and thirteen in the SEC, one and nine in road games, seven-game losing streak in one-score games. He had four top eight recruiting classes prior to this year. Got tons of talent. 
They weren't winning at an elite level. They were recruiting at an elite level. They were paying their coach at an elite level. Uh, why couldn't he win? And were you surprised they did it after a 41-point win at this point in the year? Well, that must mean that they're looking at somebody behind the scenes. You wouldn't do that unless you had something. You, I, I don't think they can fire him and not have something, some sort of splash as they go into next year with Oklahoma and Texas coming in to the SEC. I always talk about those schools as kind of like the homecoming court. They all like to get attention. Texas already gets enough attention. Once they come in, Texas a and is going to want attention. And Jimbo Fisher was an attention-grabbing hire at the time. It was huge. They handed him a plaque, a blank plaque with, you know, they're going to win a national title. And it's a tough job. It's a hard job. Why is it so hard? Why can't anybody do it? Why They have everything you could want. Why is it so hard? Because they're in the same state with Texas and 11 other schools in Texas. And they haven't, you know, we did that realignment piece over the summer where, like, they did benefit from moving to the SEC. Some schools don't. Like, in the Big 12, Texas A&M was just a school. Like, let's be honest. They were no different than totally agree. Kansas State, it's an right? underrated so, part of uh, the Texas A&M story. People don't realize they were not that great in the Big Twelve, and the SEC move did really help them, just like you said. I saw Josh Payton, Dan Wolken going back and forth a little bit. You know, nothing animosity or anything like that. Where Josh said, you know, Texas A&M can coach a have a coach that can dominate there. Well. They haven't won a national title since the 1930s. So it is a tough job. In theory, yes, they should be able to find somebody to dominate there. They've produced Miles Garrett and Johnny Manziel and countless other really good NFL. Well, not Manziel, not NFL, but you know what I mean. Great college player. And, you know, I like like I said, if you're going to make the, the biggest story out of this bill for me is the buyout, though. Like, that's irresponsible. And that's going to raise a lot of serious questions about the sport, about paying a coach $70 million not to coach and what that means. I remember talking to Amy Perko from the Knight Commission about that and the, the entire financial structure of college football. And, and when they're doing that, it's, it's very haphazard at best. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. I, I can't figure out why they haven't been able to break through. Now it's going to get more difficult with Texas coming into the SEC. But, you know, they had a 10-year head start. They were, you talk about the other 11 schools in Texas, it didn't matter. They were getting the best players. They got the best players in the country. And they have the best resources and, and you know, stadium and, and everything you could want. And he couldn't break through. Maybe it was just a coaching situation. and Maybe they picked the wrong guy. And when they pick the right guy, they will finally break through. But they certainly... They have it. History says it's really hard. Now, one thing in fairness to Jimbo, he's lost his starting quarterback to a season-ending injury three years in a row. That's how many how many coaches can do that and still make the playoff? Right, and they had a good year in twenty twenty. They lost to the best Alabama team maybe in the last ten years. So it's not like, and they could have made the playoff in that season, but. It's a really tough job. The SEC West is a really tough place to live. I mean, Ole Miss found that out over the weekend. Ole Miss is going to go 10-2, and and they got beat by Alabama by two touchdowns and Georgia by five touchdowns. So it's just a tough place to live, and and Texas A&M is still finding that out, and it's not going to get any easier when the Sooners and Texas move in. Right, exactly. Uh, Another SEC West coach that didn't even make it one year, Zach Arnett fired this morning. We're recording this Monday. Uh, he was the Mississippi State was four and six this year. He won the bowl game last year when he replaced Mike Leach after Mike Leach passed away in December. Uh, they immediately named him the permanent head coach, not even interim coach. I thought it was odd at the time. Mississippi State was operating under an interim AD, so maybe that had something to do with the the quick decision to not interview more candidates and at least let him be an interim through the bowl season and see how it, see how he ran the program. I mean, it was days later that campus was obviously, you know, very affected and kind of in disarray when, when Mike Leach passed. So, uh, but they pulled the pig, pulled the plug pretty quickly. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's only the second time I can remember, well, third where a coach passed away and I mean, Randy Walker, they went straight to Pat Fitzgerald, you know, Terry Hepner, when he passed away at Miami, they were going to the next guy pretty quick. So I think it was almost like an extended audition for Zach Arnett in that regard. They tried to switch up their offense. It didn't work. 
there are plenty of candidates I think that'll fit that job. Uh, Barrett Salee just tweeted a couple out and Rhett Lashley makes sense with what he's been able to do in a short amount of time at SMU. And I think he, he would make sense there. And they go back to that kind of, if you coach at Mississippi state, you can't do things the way Alabama does. You have to do things differently. Leach did that. Dan Mullen did that to some extent. And the next guy will have to do that. And that's why I think Rhett Lashley would be an interesting fit. Um, so, yeah, but I, as far as Zach Garnett goes, I mean, and they, again, they, didn't they win? Or no, they they lost. They were the one where they fired a guy that lost. Um, you know, we had two where Jimbo and Boise State's Andy Avalos won by 30 points and they were both fired. It was a very strange weekend. Well, Jimbo played Arnett. <laughs> right, and then they're both fired. That I don't think that's ever happened. We could probably get ESPN stats in ink or – you know, stats ink on that one, but that, that's got to be a rare occasion where both coaches got fired. <laughs> Back to Jimbo for a quick sec. We didn't really talk about candidates. What do you think? Um, I think they're going to call Urban Meyer. Uh, that just seems to be how A&M operates. Uh, they want to go for the biggest splash they can. And then if and when Urban says no, then see, that's what calls me into question. Like you think they've got something lined up. I mean, to me, the two best candidates are the ones you mentioned on sportingnews.com piece is uh, Kalen DeBoer in Washington and and um, uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon. Dan Lanning's the best yeah. candidate, right? But right. they can't have anything lined up with those guys. They're not talking. Their agent's not talking yet, I wouldn't think. So uh, thoughts on Urban as number first call since he's not employed? Is it, What do you think? I don't think he's going there and I don't think he's going to Michigan state either because he's not going to go somewhere where he's the second fiddle. But no matter have, what, have they called him? You think possibly. Okay. I possibly Texas did, you know, Texas. I, you know, if urban Meyer turned down Texas, he's not taking Texas A&M in my opinion, urban wasn't going to go to, there was a lot of chatter about Michigan state. I, I can't see it. I can't see urban Meyer going into a division where he has resource, less resources than Michigan and Ohio State. Mark D'Antonio pulled that off nicely. That was really hard to do. Um, they will call him, and I think uh, Dan Lanning's the best candidate. He's young. He's energetic. Oregon plays aggressive on both sides. He'd be a perfect fit there, I think. You know, he coached under Kirby, so you can try that. I mean, he obviously knows the SEC. Um, but you're right. I, I, that's going to be tough because Oregon's right in the middle of the mix here. He, they're right in the middle of a college uh, football playoff race. I, I remember about a month ago, I think Andy Staples tweeted something to the effect of like Dan Landing has a little bit of a spurrier to him, you know, like in terms of his press conference demeanor and those kind of things. And I buy that. So that's the guy I would target target if with them. Mike Elko will come up because of his background there. I, I don't, they're going to make a splash because it's AM. It's not going to be uh, Jeff Trailer. Even though he'd be a good candidate, they're not going to do that. They're going to go for a home run. Wouldn't it be interesting if Oregon lost its head coach? This would be the third straight because Willie Taggart was hired away to Florida State. Mario Cristobal was hired away to Miami. What if Dan Lanning gets hired away to Texas A&M? It's not a stepping stone job. It's a top 10, top, 10, top 15 program year after year after year. Or you know, And uh, Lanning certainly has them near the top right now. One – off the wall candidate, I heard. I think it was Matt Fortuna wrote. What do you think about Lincoln Riley? 
Would, be interesting would, to have him Texas A and M open the page uh, the checkbook for him. Yeah, but I don't know if that would be good for Lincoln Riley. Then you'd be kind of seen as a grifter of sorts, going from Oklahoma to USC to Texas A and M, and just leaving when things get bad. I mean, I know it's bad at USC right now, but you know, Clef- Cliff Kingsbury popped up on a couple searches. You know, would he be the guy to come back that way with the, the Texas roots that he has? Um, so yeah, it's 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 open to a lot of speculation. They they're going to open the checkbook. Money doesn't matter. So Lane Kiffin's another name that'll pop up. But I think for Lane Kiffin, it'd be a lateral move. Everything he's done at Ole Miss is probably what he would do at Texas A&M. I actually looked the the gap between those two schools' record is not significant over the last few years. And he turned down Auburn basically last year, right? Right. In I don't SEC think he was anywhere. Right. So. Anyway, that'll be a fun one to to watch because when you're dealing with a administration that where money is no object, it'll be fun. So two Big Ten jobs in uh, Michigan State and Northwestern, two SEC jobs, now Mississippi State and Texas A&M, and more are sure to follow, especially if A&M poaches a coach, and you're going to see the dominoes start to fall after that. All right, let's get into the biggest game of the weekend Michigan, 24, Penn State, 15. Penn State, uh, Michigan wins without Jim Harbaugh. He found out Friday he was getting a three-game suspension. Michigan tried to get a temporary restraining order on Friday. Didn't found out Saturday, hours before the game, that uh, the hearing will be this Friday. So he stayed back in the hotel, presumably watched the game on TV. Michigan wins. Pretty impressively in control pretty much for the whole game. Team comes back to Michigan. They make a, a quick appearance at the hockey game. Coach Harbaugh leading the way there. That was a funny little clip as uh, they got a big ovation. Uh, your thoughts on – on we haven't – you and I haven't talked pod-wise on, on, on right. the Harbaugh situation and the penalty. Uh, let's talk about the game first, then we can talk about the Big Ten suspending him for three games. Well, the game, I mean – it's more an indictment of Penn state than it is a, you know, Michigan. Great. Going into a road environment, winning good uh, defense played awesome. They ran the ball 32 straight times. That's beyond disrespectful, like in a positive way for Michigan that they knew that they did not have to throw the ball for an entire half to win a top 10 game. And a lot of people say, well, it wasn't that they didn't win impressively. JJ McCarthy didn't throw the ball. I, I would argue it's more impressive going into Penn state. That's arguably the best road victory of the season by any team. Texas. Yeah. By ranking at Alabama. True. By ranking though, by ranking, I think it's higher than what uh, Ohio state did at Notre Dame and Alabama, Texas by ranking. Now, Texas winning in Alabama is still the most impressive of the three, but especially now. But yeah, I mean, an indictment on Penn State. They fire their offensive coordinator afterward. They did the same things they did against Ohio State. And I honestly believe that Michigan knew that as long as they didn't turn the ball over, they were going to win the game. And all they had to do was punt. And they had no faith that Penn State could drive the ball down the field on them other than the one time they did late. So, I mean, as far as the kids go, we'll get into the adults in a second. As far as Michigan's team, the kids, impressed. Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, that defense, they blocked out the noise. And they're going to do some things like mock Manny Diaz and do the goggles thing. They're going to do that, and they're allowed to. They're kids. 
it's the adults that we'll have to get into next where it's a little bit different. I have a theory and we have to have the big 10 investigate Jim Harbaugh's cell phone records. Hmm. But I think he called at halftime and told Sharon Moore, do not throw the ball under any circumstances. That's my theory. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, they didn't have to. And they, they, Penn State. And he defense, loved it. You know, Harbaugh loved it. Oh, I'm sure they did. Penn State's defense is legit. And they got after McCarthy early. Now, big picture, they're not going to be able to win like that in two weeks. They're, you know, high, high State has a dude that can stretch that box in Harrison. High State has a defense you're going to have to throw a little bit. But I think Ohio State and Penn State defenses are same zip code and for Michigan to get the big plays running I thought Sharon Moore did well you know and they're the villain now there's no question they're the villain and they've embraced it a little bit you know they had Sharon Moore and Charles Woodson dropping f-bombs on tv you had the Michigan versus the, I, I always I, to be fair I'm consistent I don't like Ohio against the world and I don't like Michigan versus everybody I think those are the two I think they're two dumb campaigns I'm just gonna be honest about it because <laughs> To me, it's you always worry about yourself first. And then yeah, who, give, who gives a you-know-what about what anybody else thinks. But, yeah, and then the adults part is more interesting, obviously. But as far as this team goes, they're, they're going to win this week, and they're going to set up a really big one in two weeks. It's just a matter of who's going to be on the sideline or not. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to elevate your college football game day experience? Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with real brewed tea and packs a powerful punch with 5% alcohol and no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. No need to settle for the usual. Twisted Tea turns up any occasion, especially when you're cheering for your favorite team. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium parking lot, watching at a bar, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experiences. Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun and celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Yeah, this game reminded me of when the Patriots beat the Buffalo Bills in a Monday night game. I think it was a year or two ago, but the wind was like 70, 75 miles an hour, and Mac Jones threw three passes the whole game, and the Patriots still won the game. Uh, there was no snowstorm. There was no wind problems in, in, in Happy Valley. They just said, we're going to run it, period, and we're going to win the game. I My my. College roommate, I got to give him credit for this, Russell Rogers. He played defensive tackle at Ohio University in the late 90s, early 2000s. He texted me last night and he said, everybody, here's what I did. This is a real quick story. He said, everybody's talking about Michigan running at 32 times. Do me a favor. Look up this box score from 1997 when we played Eastern Michigan. And I wasn't in college yet. I was a year behind him. 
So I look around, I couldn't find the box, but I found a write-up. So get this, in 1997, Ohio played Eastern Michigan. They won 47-7. to They ran the ball 85 times for <laughs> 612 yards, and they had four passing attempts, no completions. So the only game that is Were more running the wishbone? What's going on here? That was Jim Grobe, Veer. You know, they ran the Veer like Air Force, and they – and I, I got to give Russ credit for that because we've never seen something like this before. Well, Russ did that day. He saw them run all over Eastern Michigan. Those are still school records at Ohio University. And uh, But credit to him for finding that stat because I had fun looking it up. And, you know, that's what Michigan did in a top 10 game on the road. It, it was, like I said, disrespectful in, in a way that they just showed. And Manny Diaz, I mean, you got to be able to stop it at some point. It, that's a rough one for Penn State. It was. It was. All right. So you and I, we talked, obviously the whole world talked about the Big Ten's three-game suspension of Jim Harbaugh. You initially talked about a two-game suspension you thought would be appropriate, get him back for the Michigan-Ohio State game, uh, serve a penalty, which seems like there's plenty of evidence that they did the in-person scouting through Connor Stallions as a member of their staff. and. You know, 99% sure he was in-person scouting at the Central Michigan game when they were playing Michigan State. Uh, Mike DeCourcy, Sporting News, wrote a column saying there's a little bit of a slap on the wrist. I kind of agree in that Michigan is not put at that much of a competitive advantage if Harbaugh's coaching Sunday through Friday. He's not on the sideline during the game. I don't think it had a big effect. On Saturday, I don't think it had a big effect the first three games of the year. The point spread reflected that, didn't really move when it was announced that he was suspended. Um, so as far as competitive disadvantage, I don't think Michigan is necessarily uh, paying a big penalty. On the flip side, it's debatable how much competitive advantage they got from breaking the rule because everybody scouts everybody. This was just a different way to do it. It was against the rules. It was just a different way to do it. Eventually, everybody kind of kind of decodes these signals. Uh, so have you come off your stance that two games would have been good, three games was too much? Uh, or do you feel like, you know, Michigan was right in filing the restraining order and things like that. I mean, it got, I mean, I guess I'm okay with trying to get the restraining order. I, like I said, I didn't think it was going to have a big effect. I wish if from Michigan's standpoint, they self-imposed a two game big 10 would have backed off. They didn't need this. They don't want this. They don't want to deal with this. If Michigan said, you know what, we'll take a two game suspension for Jim Harbaugh. And they know they're going to probably win. Well, they, they played great Saturday. They're probably going to win those first two games. They get them back for Ohio state it's the end of it, and the whole temperature goes down if they do that. But they dug in their heels, and they're fighting and fighting and fighting. And I really think the Big Ten would have accepted a two-game penalty to, to kind of wash their hands and not you know, get involved. And they're not the ones setting the precedent. They're not the ones doing this. But now they're both – the temperature is like this on both sides. So where, where do you stand on the whole thing? It's everyone's fault. As far as those two go, it's both of their faults. And now you have another mess. Uh, let's start with the Big Ten and Tony Petiti. I credit him for, you know, for all the narrative. The reason I thought the two-game suspension was, was like they were no, there's no way they're going to touch Ohio State-Michigan. I credit him for giving a three-game suspension. That's fine. A um, little heavier-handed than I thought it would be. And 
shows that he cares about the other members of the conference and what they say. But he did it on a Friday when they were on the plane. That's weak. That's beyond weak. That's the time you can say, well, the timing will never be good. Timing before a top 10 showdown created more drama. You allowed for at least in Michigan's camp to make a martyr out of Jim Harbaugh. Now, he might not be a martyr across the rest of the country, but Michigan is way dug in now with the Michigan versus everybody shirts. You've got a school president. The athletic director, Ward Manuel, backed him up, and he hadn't done that in a long time. So uh, you created that mess. Uh, the the punishment itself, I don't think it's a slap on the wrist. Here's where I disagree with you. I think not having a head coach on the sideline is a huge deal. I still think that. I know it doesn't matter in those first three games. It might not have mattered to some extent against Penn State. It will matter in two weeks because that's Ohio State. That's not – there was a point in the Penn State game where they showed Sharon Moore and he had to put his headset back on because all the traffic that goes on with being a head coach – and if they don't matter on the sideline, then why are we paying them $9 million? So I think Jim Harbaugh on the, off the sideline is a big deal. But now what I would do is I would drop the temporary restraining order charade. I would, if I'm Michigan, I'd seek, and I know you, these subjects, they're not subject to appeal. I would work with the Big Ten and say, we'll stop fighting, take him off the field against Maryland, let him coach against High State. People might not like it, but they already don't like the punishment now. There's people that don't want Harbaugh preparing during the week. It was a half-measure punishment in that regard. You're right about that. Like, take him off the field the whole time. I think Michigan will have more penalties down the line, but why not play to your strength over the next two weeks? Take him off the field against Maryland. It won't matter. He's got to be on the field against Ohio State, though. Because if you're a Ohio State fan, yeah, it's great beating Michigan, but you want Harbaugh on the sideline when you do it. There's no way you don't like, and if you're Michigan, I just, I, I think, how do I say it, Bill? Like, I think they showed maturity on the field, but they're going to get a little more immature off it. You know, you don't need your president. You know what I mean? And that's going to hundred percent, a hundred percent. That Ward manual statement turned me off so much. You can let your law professors study antitrust and write a guest argument in the Yale Law Journal. <laughs> you can have all your fans going crazy trying to protest ESPN sponsors, and you can do all this, and you're filing court. Filing, just that letter to me was so unnecessary, and at some point you just you got to shut your mouth as a school, as an athletic department, and deal with it internally and stop – coming off, trying to raise the temperature of the whole thing. You're not serving anybody. Uh, maybe the Michigan fans are fired up that Ward Manuel is supporting Jim Harbaugh. But beyond that, you're just, you know, from the outside looking in, I thought it was very poorly worded, very poorly timed, and very poorly intended. You know, you, you're picking a fight with the Big Ten when you know you did something wrong. And it's like at some point, stop, just stop talking and deal with it. Yeah, but that and that's why the timing of the punishment and the way Tony Petiti did it, that came out when they were in the air. You saw the tarmac pictures of them. That's that's his own fault. Like they should yeah, the have. Big, the Big Ten's response to that was Michigan wanted an extra 24 hours to prepare their right. case. 
and that obviously pushed the Big Ten's timetable back 24 hours. Uh, but you're right. They wanted they wanted to – I mean, they had to anticipate exactly what Michigan was going to say, essentially. Right. So at least before, you know, Friday morning, they probably could have gotten something together. Right. And I think, you know, it, it it's going to create a lot of drama build up for two weeks. And I, I hate to skip through this week, but Michigan's going to win at Maryland. And Ohio State's going to beat Minnesota at home. Michigan may have – Maryland may push them a little bit, but I doubt it. Um, and then it builds up to this game in two weeks that I was telling you and talking to Tim May this weekend, went on his podcast. This this is potentially the biggest game ever between these schools. And I don't use hyperbole much. You've worked with me long enough to know I don't do that. And um, bigger than 06, bigger than last year, bigger than – 69. And I, you know, those of us who follow that rivalry as close as we do, we can tell you details every game the last 50 years. And this will be as big as any of those. And that's why I think Tim doesn't think Harbaugh will be on the sideline. I'd say 50-50. Whether it's through the temporary restraining order or some sort of resolution with the Big Ten Conference, if they work together, which is questionable, I still think it's 50-50. He's on the sideline. They're not going to work together now after that letter. Right. Like, that was again just. I just questioned that letter from by Ward Manual, and I don't see you know it's it's not going to help anything. And what? Like let, said, let if me, they do want to yeah. talk to him, if I'm the Big Ten, I'm like, well, you know, you just tried to make a fool out of me publicly, you know, when I, we're trying to do what we think is right, and you just like unleashed on us. So I have a question for you because you're pretty, you're not in the Big Ten bubble, so you're probably the best person to answer it. What is the benefit of not having Jim Harbaugh on the sideline for the Ohio State game when Gus and Joel will be talking about Jim Harbaugh the entire game not being there like they were on Saturday? What is the benefit of him not being there? I mean, the it goes back to why they punished him in the first place. They're right. trying to serve as a deterrent to, for people to break the rules, and they no. they didn't want to. They didn't want to. I don't know for whatever reason they're saying the regular season is is what they wanted to do. I don't know why they didn't specify three games versus two games. Initially I thought, is it the big 10 championship game included in the regular season or not regular in, in, included? Um, I think, yeah. The, the drawback is no benefit to, to it. Like you, to, no. to back your point, there's no benefit to it. I no. don't think it's going to serve as, as a deterrent necessarily. I don't think it's going to placate the other big 10 schools who feel like they were, um, operating at a competitive disadvantage against Michigan because of the the scheme. So, um, yeah, Michigan's going to get there. The, it, the, the issue to me, I thought that was surprising was that the, it seemed like the big 10 wasn't really considering making Michigan ineligible for the, that, right. that would have been attention grabbing. That would have been heavy handed that would have made everybody in, in the rest of the Big Ten who was really angry at Michigan. That would have satisfied them, maybe even too much. Um, and but they didn't do that. So yeah, the, the half measure, as you described, that was a good way to describe it. It's not making anybody happy, and yeah, obviously it takes away from one of the biggest college football games in the last five years, five yeah. regular season games. So I can tell you like, cause there's the benefit is you, you came through with your punishment. You appease the other, 
everybody else in the conference. But as far as we're talking just Ohio State and Michigan, and I should have saved this stat for next week, but I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> if you look since 2021, since 2021 when the Stallion stuff started, these two schools are 45-1 and one against everybody else in the Big Ten. Like, the only win was Michigan State in 21 when Kenneth Walker had his big game, 45-1. and one. They're going to be 47-1 and one here in a week. They are the two that matter. So if you're Ohio State, benefit, there's no benefit to Jim Harbaugh not being on that sideline. Because if you win, it's not going to feel as good. You'll win, and the benefit of winning a national title is fun, but it won't be as satisfying as, as if he's on the sideline. Beating Sharon Moore is not the same as beating Jim Harbaugh. If they lose, it's a disaster. Because not only did you lose, you lost to Sharon Moore. And you did. Jim wasn't even there. You can't blame Connor. Connor Stallion certainly isn't out there. There's. It's your first time losing in three three consecutive games since I was in high school. That would be a disaster. Michigan. If Jim Harbaugh's not there and they win, it's still well. There's this tainted thing. If you lose without Harbaugh, you're losing to your your biggest rival. Everything you tried to do to to kind of fight this suspension didn't work. You lose. You're probably going to get hit more with more violations. It's a disaster. So all four of those scenarios, to me, say put them back on the field and give people what they want. You know, they want to see them lose. And and that's what they want. You didn't get it Saturday. You didn't get a Michigan loss. You probably got the if you're if you're rooting for Michigan to lose and you're rooting for this to blow up, you got nothing that you wanted on Saturday. Probably worst case scenario. You got Michigan winning by running the ball the entire half. You got a coach dropping F-bombs on the air. You got Blake <laughs> Corum and J.J. McCarthy kind of flaunting it in your face. And they, we talk about this all the time, Bill. Certain people can wear the black hat and certain people can't. Like I've never thought LeBron James was a good villain when he tried to be. I thought he was a horrible villain. He's he's better at being the good guy, the good guy. Um, he's a terrible villain with the Heat. Great good guy with the Cats. Something in between with the Lakers. Uh, Jim Harbaugh can wear the black hat. He can be the villain. J.J. McCarthy can be that guy. Uh, Blake Horm's just a good guy. He can't be a villain. He's too much of a good guy anyway. So my point is, if this is what you want, you're you're going to get it until they lose. Yep. Yep. So we will. We got to get rolling back here. I want to touch real quickly on Georgia mm-hmm. and Alabama. They both look great this weekend. They're both headed for the uh, SEC championship game. Officially, they both clinched. Uh, given how well that those two teams played, so we'll skip ahead. Like basically, we had Washington and we had Florida State over the weekend. Washington led by one score. Utah had the ball in the fourth quarter, and Washington came up with the interception to end it. Florida State had a one-score lead on Miami late in the fourth quarter. They came up with an interception to seal it. So they both protected. They both uh, stayed undefeated. And now, uh, again, for the second week in a row, as we head into Tuesday's rankings, the top eight teams all won again. So do you see any changes, any drama to this show between last week and this week with with all eight teams uh, winning? Georgia's going to be ranked number one. Ooh, all right. They'll be they'll be ranked number one now. They won 52. to Ohio State didn't do anything to knock themselves down. I just think... Georgia had over 300 yards passing and 300 yards rushing in the same game against the top 10 opponent. Carson so, Beck, man. Carson Beck can play. We can argue about Ohio State and Michigan all we want. Georgia's going to beat both of them at this point. 
Uh, they just look better than everybody else. And Alabama looks better than everybody else. And as our bull projections fleshed out, to me, the four best teams in the country right now are those four, and two of them aren't going to the playoff because they're running out of time. You need – they really need – if if you want a Alabama-Georgia scenario or a Michigan-Ohio State scenario and both of them get in the playoff, you need to start rooting for Oregon State pretty quick. Because <laughs> they, they could if they could get through Washington and Oregon, eliminate the Pac-12 – if Texas loses, there's another conference out, and then you're down to three, right? You're down you to need a Florida State loss somewhere mixed in there too. Because I think even if Louisville beats Florida State, I don't think they'd put Louisville in. So right. you need you need some things to happen if you want that to happen. And right now, the best thing happening out of all these teams is Oregon. You know, and I I I know Washington beat them. I understand all that, and I I feel bad that Washington's kind of getting that treatment because they are ten and zero. But they're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna beat them in the rematch. Well, we don't know that. They got to worry about Oregon State first. That's gonna be a fun game this weekend. Yep, it definitely is. So, all right, back to the Trochi trivia. Jimbo Fisher played 15 games against teams ranked in the top 10. Take a guess what his record was at AM in those 15 games. Three and twelve. Five and ten. I got three of them in my head that I know he won. So I'm curious what the other two are. They, so they yeah, got the, five, the five wins in 2018, he beat LSU when they were number seven. Okay. And I got three of them. Can 20, I give you three of them? 2020. Yeah. Give me the three that you know. Florida. Of. Florida with Trask. Yes. 2020. Uh, yep. Alabama when they Calzada won the game. Yep. LSU last year. LSU last year was number five. You, what was the first one you said? Uh, LSU in 18. They were uh, number seven. Okay. The and he's got one other one. Hold on. Give me one second. I'll give you a hint. I don't. I'll give you a hint. Yeah, you probably give me a hint. Last yeah. year. Oof. I know. It's. Uh, oh, is it like a random. Um, it's kind of random. Kentucky? No. Go ahead. Think of a guy who is uh, was on top of the world last year and is not on top of the world this year. Sam Pittman and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Oh, they were a top 10 team. Yeah, they had a good start. They were number so, 10 last year. That's right. The kick that went over the – Yep. Did a bad field goal in that game. So, 5-10, that's actually better than I thought it was. I knew of three of them, so. Right, and a lot of them, he, they played – they had a home and home with Clemson. And they, Clemson was one and two both years. And like a couple of those are number one, Alabama. Like if you don't beat number one, like that's fine. One or right. two, like whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just all the other losses that piled up that were kind of ridiculous that really doomed him, of course. Right. So, all right. Well, that was a good show. Very fun. A lot of topics. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening to the CFB Nation All-America podcast presented by Twisted Tea. Thank you to Irish Breakdown, of course, your source for Notre Dame football information. We will be back Tuesday night after the latest ranking shows. And then later in the week, we will preview week 12. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will see you soon.